0: This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by Nobody, because advertisements suck.
1: This podcast has bad words. (laughs) Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just
2: feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Today, we're going to talk about our obsessions, our obsessions with trends and fashion, and we're going to dissect our infatuation with clothing and style and also shoes. Mm. And we're going to do that with today's guest. Now... It's Tyler Jones, although Tyler isn't your name, Tyler. It's not,
3: no. And it's a terrible
0: <laughs> fake name as well, I would say. But yeah, uh, that's uh, me for now. So I want to dive into this. So, so you started this Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers. Yes. And if you're watching this on YouTube right now, you'll notice that you can't see Tyler's face because he is this anonymous person behind Preachers and Sneakers. Let's <laughs> would, talk- you, would you say they called you the Christian Banksy? Yeah, several have, <laughs> yeah, which I
3: which I wear with pride. I, yeah, I absolutely. Can't think of a better compliment. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so, so this account fascinates me. Now, Ryan and I have different religious beliefs. We have different political beliefs, and I think that's what makes this this podcast uh, resonate with a lot of people because we have atheists on, we have Christians, we have everyone in between, and it's quite often not even about beliefs. And today, we're not even really going to be talking about. Religious beliefs, although mm. I think that will that will come into the conversation, our beliefs in general will come into the conversation. What I want to talk about is this obsession we have with fashion, and I mm. think no one has done that in a more artistic way that has spurred conversation recently than you. Thank yeah. you. Let's talk about what happened. <laughs> how how did preachers and sneakers start? For those who sure. are who are not in the know yet.
3: Just, so, uh, as most young married men do when their wives are out of town, I was sitting on my couch watching worship videos on youtube so like you guys have differing religious beliefs i'm a i'm a christian been for the majority of my life and uh i never do this but for whatever reason that morning i was i slept through church and was just watching worship videos on youtube i Uh uh, there was a song that i liked called resurrecting by elevation worship which is you know one of the larger worship bands right now um and i was watching the video and i noticed the lead singer who's not the lead singer anymore but uh his name's mac brock was wearing this pair of yeezy 750s and <laughs> at that time i had been into sneakers for maybe three or four years and i very quickly realized oh these shoes resell for 800 dollars, mm. and uh for whatever there was a i think i had you was either under or over caffeinated and i just started to feel some type of irritation like how how do you reconcile this uh and i wasn't this articulate at the time but or i'm not articulate now but I, I just was very frustrated and i couldn't understand Wait, this dude's leading worship mm. for thousands of people, and he's wearing shoes that are worth more than most of their rent. I would assume, yeah, right. Like, right. what
2: kind of message is that sending? Right, yeah. and um,
3: and at the same time, I was like, I, I can guarantee that most people don't understand how much these shoes are worth. Mm. And then you, you know, YouTube serves up recommend recommended videos for after those videos, and I started realizing there's a ton of pastors and worship leaders that are wearing all these super hyped up sneakers and streetwear, and so I just made a few videos on my personal Instagram, and just said, hey, did you know that, uh, you know, Mac Brock is wearing $800 Yeezys, or y'all's friend Erwin is wearing $900 off-white Jordan 1s? Mm. No. To my personal Instagram, I have like 400 followers, I'm a nobody, I know nothing, like I'm just a regular dude. And I had a buddy that actually lives out here who's a DJ. He's like, hey dude, you should start an account just doing that. It could be the next viral thing. And I said, I don't I don't think so, but I mean I, I love making people laugh and like the liked how people were responding to the things I did on my personal Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so I thought about it for a few days and the name I just started thinking, like, what rhymes with like preachers or pastors or deacons? And immediately sneakers. I said, Preachers wow. in sneakers. And there's a double entendre there. <laughs> right. Obviously. And it's like in, like I N as well as and A N A and D sneakers. Um yeah. and so I made the account and I copied sorry. I copied <laughs> those posts over and within four weeks I had a hundred thousand followers. It's crazy. The New York Times is calling and I'm uh, like, dude, I don't know what I uh, oh. just did. <laughs> like, now,
0: now so let's talk a bit <laughs> about this. So what you found also is, and this is one of those rare examples where social media actually leads to healthy conversation in a lot of instances. The The comment section has, in many ways, become this artistic space in and of itself, right?
3: Yeah. And it's uh, there's plenty of people that are more funny and more educated than I am in the comment section. And that was the thing that was so surprising that we were talking about earlier. Like, fans of your podcast are atheists and religious and questioning and all this. Mm-hmm. And... Th- all of those same types of people were coming in the comment section because the universal thing is everyone felt a certain type of way about it. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't know what to do with it mm-hmm. because they were served up, oh, this person is wearing $1,200 shoes. I don't know how to feel about that. Right. Yeah, And that's what I think caused um, so many people to get riled up one way or the other.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. When I first saw Preachers and Sneakers, I had this visceral reaction like you did when yeah. you saw the Yeezys. But then I started digging into it and I'm, like, so torn on it now. Yeah. Because it's... Uh, yeah, I could see both sides of it. And maybe we'll get more into that in the Maximal episode, but...
0: Yeah, I think so. And also, uh, Tyler, so so you... In, in fact, I made sure not to ask your name beforehand, so I wouldn't screw it up. <laughs> uh, because I, I don't want to do the, the big reveal. Uh, and, and so... You, you had this quote, I think it was in a complex article. You said, as I have processed the growth of this account, however, it has caused me to examine my own life and how I spend my money because it's not much different. Mm. So in a way, while you were reflecting and you were judging other people in a way at first, I think now what you do isn't a judgment so much as it is a, you're setting up a discussion board almost, yeah. uh, a community discussion board, but it's made you look inward as well and start to examine your own life.
3: Yeah, I, I would. I still hold to that. I wasn't judging anyone. I was at least trying to understand why I felt a certain type of way mm. about it. Like mm. why naturally I was averse to the idea that pastors and worship leaders could either be gifted such nice things or make enough money to where they could just straight up be buying these type of things. Right. Um, I. It's still up for discussion. Kind of like Ryan. I've I've seen behind the curtain on some of these things, and I've I understand the nuance around some of the situations like Mm -hmm. at a micro level there are variables that all of us don't get privy like aren't privy to Mm -hmm. and change the narrative a little bit yeah Yeah. um what was your original question sorry I'd...
0: well no it's it's changed your own mind oh yeah, yeah in a way so so are you looking at the shoes you buy now a little bit differently yeah
3: i mean it made me really really take inventory of my own social media presence and question why i was posting what i post mm-hmm. because at least in christian circles a lot of what we post on social media is really if if you get deep down into it is to make other people jealous at some level of our lives oh wow and yeah. so that and i had to repent of that myself saying like oh I had these courtside seats and I posted all about it because I wanted people to know that I got this sweet hookup Mm -hmm. or that I was on this sweet vacation or had this dope meal and at least in Christian circles I mean causing people to envy your life is Mm. sin And, and so I had to really like go back and say oh why like it's really caused me to reflect on why I post on social media and really try to take the log out of my own eye. Yeah. Even though it's been imperfect and it's been messy, and you guys have seen the comments, like m- critics of mine will say, this is not a healthy discussion, mm-hmm. but it is a discussion, and it's mm-hmm. caused people to do the same.
0: Well, I mean, I think we should have a little bit of that discussion. We have some some listener questions we're going to get to here in a moment, but I thought what was fascinating is Ryan saw that had that visceral reaction at first. I actually had a different visceral reaction, and I think. You and and we, the minimalists in our community, we are actually talking about the same problem, which I think is overindulgent consumerism, Mm -hmm. but we're tackling it from from different angles, and I actually don't have much of a problem with pastors— I, mean, I shouldn't say much. I don't have any problem with a pastor wearing expensive shoes because I think they 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 work a job and they can do whatever they want with that money. The same way I don't care whether or not you wear expensive shoes. Right. However, I actually have more of a problem with with just your average person like me and Ryan, who aren't you know fashion critics or, or whatever, uh, spending money. Actually, we're not even average because we now we have this audience mm-hmm. or whatever. But like yeah, it, podcast Sean, for example, if he started wearing. Um, yeah, $800 Yeezys, um, I would start to question his priorities. Yeah. Mm. In, in, in a way, and now that maybe that's me, you know, judgment is but a mirror, right? right. And, and it reflects the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. So if I were to look at Sean and say, hey, those, I'm not going to say it out loud, but I'm going to look at that and say, wow, he really prioritizes uh, this expensive footwear and why is he doing that? Is Mm -hmm. it a personal belief? Is it a mimetic belief? We'll get into some of that today Mm -hmm. as well. But when when I look at someone like him, uh, it, just spending eight hundred dollars on on sneakers that would seem frivolous to me. But when I see someone who is influential, I'm really I'm really fascinated by people who influence other people. Now yeah. that that could be someone like Erwin McManus, like you mentioned. His church is right across the yeah. street from here. I watched all the conversation. Uh, oh, Great looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, he we just did a, another thing with him for Netflix, and he uh, he talks about some things in a way that will. Uh, that I think we could talk about some today, but he. Shows up he's the most dapper person in the room yeah. and he's not dressed differently from me he was i swear to you he was wearing a black shirt and black pants mm-hmm. and somehow he he's got swag he was yeah, yeah he was dressed so much better than me i'm right. like we're, we're wearing the same outfit yeah <laughs> what is going on <laughs> and now the the shoes that that um i think you you posted him wearing some expensive shoes mm-hmm. and um they were gifted to him he, mm-hmm. he said um which i i mean I, I don't have any reason not to believe that right um and when i when i see see that i also see that he's trying to resonate with a particular community right Mm -hmm. and so by wearing something you know it used to be we wore our sunday's best right to to, if we go to church i grew up catholic right Mm -hmm. Uh, and we were the original prosperity gospel right (laughs) Um, and and we'll talk more about that as well but but the the church i go to you know people wearing suits and ties and now now it's streetwear right Mm -hmm. yeah let's let's talk about that because now it is isn't it in many
3: ways the same but just a more progressive version of that yeah it might be although so people bring up the suits all the time and the difference in the suits to me is that there were rarely brand names associated with those suits. And right. so it was a little harder to tell if this dude was wearing a $300 suit or a $10,000 Armani Do you remember John suit? Edwards? That's a the, great point. The, the, the
0: politician John Edwards, he was... Yeah. He, so, so he would be a common man. Mm-hmm. He would take his Armani suits, take the tag out, and have them sew in a JC suit tag oh wow which so he 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 was being deceptive he could have just removed the armani tag and no one would have known right right right. he wanted to show you that he was the 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 average man by putting
3: so isn't that interesting how brands communicate something yes and so that's the deeper discussion about okay if you're saying that you represent the creator of the universe or you're or you're pouring into a congregation of people Mm -hmm. and not trying to have wisdom with what you wear are you being foolish? Because Mm -hmm. I think most people would agree that what you wear sends a message, especially if you're wearing a a brand name. And to go back to what kind of what you said about podcast, Sean, if he was showed up in $800 shoes, uh, I agree. Like I don't have an issue with him having those shoes, but I would, I would have an issue if he was living off of tithes and donations. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the rub for a lot of people is it's hard to reconcile those two things Mm -hmm. where, uh, Or that's why it blew up so significantly, I think, is because people have this understanding like, all right, pastors live off tithes and offerings, yet they're wearing $1,000 shoes.
0: But Mm -hmm. many of the ones you feature aren't living off tithes and offerings, right? And then it
3: brings up a follow-up question like, all right, so they're not living off tithes and offerings, but they're building a congregation, Uh writing books on pastor time, Uh and then selling it to that existing platform that they've built as a pastor yeah. and so it just brings up all these deep things that i as a normal nothing dude mm-hmm. uh-huh. kind of maybe scratch the surface of with the sneakers uh-huh. and that's why people get so fired up because there's all these different elements to you it. know what
2: got me fired up is uh one of the articles i was reading i don't know if it was with the times or if it was vice but uh, it was talking about how these churches will start to make their own swag mm-hmm. and they create this false demand and I think that is uh, that's promoting materialism, and that is where I have a problem with any any organization that's leading people to promote materialism. But yeah. that's me. Yeah. If, if if I am if I'm at a if I'm at a church and a pastor is wearing an eight hundred dollar pair of shoes, like I get to decide whether or not I support that pastor personally. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, but someone else would. And I, I'm not going to knock someone for choosing to support a pastor who's wearing eight hundred dollars
0: shoes. But what if that pastor did they're eight hundred dollars shoes because that's the resale value, the value, right? value, value. Yeah. right? Unless yeah. it's
3: like designer stuff. Generally, I post like the retail value of designer stuff because yep. it's ridiculous, okay. right? As yeah, as on the retail side. Sure, sure. Yeah. So,
0: so, but, but, what if they didn't pay anything for those sneakers? Now we have it's, people who yeah. offer us free stuff all the time. We always sure. decline it, beca- yeah. uh, just, j- just as a rule. But I'm we not can saying give them my address. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, so the, the the if they're given to them. It still is promoting materialism. It is. It's just a step away, and this is what's so funny about this whole conversation. There's this line. It's such a gray area because it's to me. It's only one step away from like wearing a Nike swoosh mm-hmm. when they're when they're when they're preaching and when they're on the stage. Uh, now it's not as obvious as a Nike swoosh. Like most people wouldn't have noticed what you noticed in that video with the eight hundred dollar pair of shoes. Yeah. Um, but people would definitely notice a Nike swoosh. So it's a little bit more indiscreet, but still, it's it's promoting materialism and it's not about like you know what could they have done with that $800 maybe they could have like redone the upholstery on the you know on the church benches or like that's not really the problem I have as much as creating the need with the congregation of oh my pastor wears those shoes so like now I need to go wear those shoes and that is uh that's where I have an issue not only that but it would be like if we started wearing Rolexes. Like, like because the the whole conversation about drawing in a younger crowd, like I get that, Um, but that would be like Josh and I saying, hey, you know what, because we want to show that minimalism isn't about uh, quantity, it's about quality. So we bought Rolexes <laughs> Because we want to show We want to appease a certain crowd We want to appease the maximalists no, I, who, f- I, I was, who feel like you know Minimalism is about the stuff But see we got Rolexes It's okay to have Rolexes
0: Right and, and here's the thing I actually think it's okay For you to have a Rolex And there are probably good uses I mean it, initially it was a diving instrument like, It was the best right. diving watch And that's why people had it mm-hmm. And it became a status symbol Out of that right mm-hmm. I assume the same, the, the same is true With a lot of sort of fashion It starts in in a way that is Useful But uh, speaking about Erwin McManus he, he said I think quite often we confuse Minimalism when I was interviewing him for this Netflix Thing um, uh, Quite often we, we, we Confuse minimalism With utilitarianism yeah. mm-hmm. And I think the problem there is that Beauty is essential yeah and and so i think aesthetics are important we all believe aesthetics are important and maybe sometimes what we're trying to do with the the sort of if you go to mosaic by the way it's the most beautiful building you'll ever walk in it's It's, gorgeous it aggressively minimalist um it's absolutely stunning Mm -hmm. um and and none of that's a brand name it's not like there's a the the stage is brought to you by nike or whatever right but um there are sometimes we 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 rely on brands. I I don't. I try not to personally, especially out, outward-facing brands. We rely on brands as as a shortcut toward quality or or, or sure, something fast. else. Or maybe- uh, uh, unfortunately yeah. I think that's the unfortunate side but sometimes it's just like like Ryan and I both dr- drive Toyotas mm-hmm. we're not sponsored by Toyota but like I, I know that the Toyota's worked really well for me and anytime I've deviated from it I've I've regretted it in the past mm-hmm. and so I've gone back to, to to Toyota and that works well for me although I was just in Nashville a few weeks ago and the rental car places was out of most cars and they tried to give me like a BMW and I'm like that's too fancy for me like yeah. I, I, I because I'm afraid of the image I'm going to project now I was also going to be hanging out with Dave Ramsey then, so I, I really didn't want to like. man drive he should have a- sent you a car.
3: Man, you know that guy's got fifteen Bentleys or whatever. Yeah. Ford Raptors, I think is what he drives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But isn't that interesting? Mm. How that concern is valid. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting to to think where that stops. Like at a certain point, like I think even Irwin said it on a podcast. Uh, very early on this blew up and people were hitting him up like I don't want to be owned by the mob or I I don't want the opinions of others to dictate how I dress or how I act which I think is a valid thing because that's living in a prison Mm -hmm. but also there's something wisdom related I think that you understand what your image communicates like Instagram specifically the reason that if it's a gift or not doesn't really matter is that all we have is the context of what you choose to put out there. And right. so a lot of the content that I put out was, was just reposting pictures of what these guys had already posted. Right. And all I did was say, this is how much those shoes are worth and people lost their minds. And now people came back and saying, well, they were a gift. Well, they were a gift. I'm like, all right, that's good to know now, yeah. but before you, it's, it's kind of catch 22, but also I think what you just said about the uh, declining the BMW is is what it's at the heart of it. It's like that matters. I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, the same thing. There is not. Uh, there's nothing wrong with BMW. And, and right. by the way, they're also really aesthetically pleasing. They're very well engineered. Mm-hmm um but but at the same to repair i'm sure they are yeah um uh so so but at the same time like it's what it communicates i used to drive lexuses right now i don't now mainly well two reasons one is they cost a lot more than a toyota even though a toyota is functionally the same thing but the other thing is what it signals right and i before it was about status and i need to signal status and now for me i i I want to avoid the signaling altogether but maybe in a sort of meta way that's a different type of it's meta signaling right Mm -hmm. and so so the opposite could be true you you, we're gonna later we'll have you look at ryan's and my shoes and like maybe ryan what are those (laughs) yeah seriously (laughs) and and maybe what ryan is signaling uh what he's wearing and here's the weird thing about all of this i believe a lot of the people People who are wearing these these really high end th- things, the the Levi Lescos and the um, uh, uh, Judas Smith, and etc. Um, and, and like you said, many of them are gifts. I believe that they could they're they're master communicators. Absolutely. And they could get on stage barefoot,
3: and it would send a different message.
0: Yeah. But. That, I mean, that's a reason that our friend Rob Bell is so compelling to me. Rob,
3: I watched that. I watched those, or I listened to those conversations too. He's okay. a really interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: he's 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 the most fascinating. I mean, and in, in fact, he refused to even put a sign on their their church because he didn't want any marketing to be involved in bringing people in. So it all had to be sort of word of mouth, and and uh, you know, they had this old abandoned mall that they met in, and and Grand Rapids, and ten thousand people showing up a weekend, wow. and there was no signage and it was aggressively minimal he didn't want the, the light shows and and the logos and the brands and people were always trying to get him to sell merch and stuff and yeah. he was like I can't imagine selling yeah. something and so you could see he was struggling with it and he, he was able to to I don't know, talk about that publicly, but now I see the other side of it. And I think it's what Ryan sees. If you really believe in, in a message, and you think the best way to communicate that message to young people who you think need the message the most and will benefit from it from a protracted lifespan, then then well, is the be- Yeah, is, is the best way to identify with them to also look like them in a way, and maybe the shortcut to look like them is to dress like them. Yeah,
3: yeah. maybe, but then you're also that's putting god in a pretty small box like couldn't couldn't a god so big that you believe in reach that demographic without like trivial things like a nike swoosh like that's the thing i go back on because the argument seems valid like the logic is there like Mm -hmm. these guys or girls like this type of clothing they live this kind of lifestyle oh they probably wouldn't Relate well to the guy in the suits and the stuffy pews. Mm -hmm. Like, I know how we, like, I realize how we got here. Like, I understand how we got here. But also, at the same end, it's like, dude, it's kind of a thin argument because there's guys Mm -hmm. out here like Francis Chan or Tim Keller who don't wear anything flashy, don't go on massive, like, world tours with a bunch of strobe lights and stuff. Sure. And have huge congregations. Although, Francis Chan, I think, is. I know who
0: he is, but I don't know who the other guy is. Tim Keller's is
3: mass, uh, New York city. Uh, the okay. church is called redeemer. Okay, He's very big in Christian circles, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, so he was famous for reaching a bunch of young professional uh, New Yorkers mm-hmm. by being this blazer khaki pants type dude yeah. that just came and was, uh, adamant about what he believed and how he is a really good speaker and everything, but right. no brands, no right. flash. Right. And so I, I get the argument. I think it's probably a thin argument, Respectfully, like I, I think, yeah, if you believe in a God that created the entire universe, He can probably work.
0: I don't even think you need to go uh, that far. I think you could just say, like, even like Ryan's in my message. I don't think we need, we necessarily need to wear, you know, the the coolest clothes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Ryan, if Ryan came in here head to toe in Supreme. I'd laugh at him. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd, laugh lo- at me. I'd laugh at him. I'd laugh at yeah, him. Yeah, right. Because well, it was yeah.
3: probably fake Supreme.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree that that argument of. Well, I do it to draw in the younger crowd. Like, it seems a bit straw man to me. It seems a little thin. Uh, For me, it comes down to, like, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus put on Yeezys? Like, I mean, when you look at what... Maybe,
0: I I think, I've asked that question. I think he might.
2: Well, when you, yeah, I mean, sure, it's possible. But when you look at the way Jesus lived, Uh uh, I mean, he was, you know, he was a minimalist. Uh And uh, he didn't go out of his way. In fact, he would chastise the Uh Pharisees and the priests that were gaudy. And, uh-huh. and I mean, he went after them
0: personally. Sure. So what he? It's possible. It's probably not plausible that Jesus would wear well, Yeezys. Let me give an argument why he might. Sure. So so first off, was he a minimalist? Yes, definitely. Uh, is Kanye West a minimalist? Yes. Sure. Um, and, and so there are different types of minimalists. It doesn't, mm-hmm. that's, it doesn't mean good or bad. You know, Steve Jobs was a minimalist, but he was also a total jerk. So right. it doesn't mean just because you're a minimalist, you're virtuous as right. well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so, but I, I look at Jesus, and let's just say that hypothetically, he, you know, the, the man who was Jesus, he performed functionally magic tricks. Now, mm-hmm. whether, there was, whether they were miraculous or not, we, we could have that debate all day and no sure. one would win. Sure. But um, was that at the time the best way to to help people to to draw people into the message Mm -hmm. and and if so how different is that from from doing something that is that was the cool thing to do then is the cool thing to do now but
2: it's different in the sense that he was anti-materialism and the magic tricks or the miracles did not promote materialism. And so I, God. I, but Yeah, right? And so, but, you know, this also comes down to perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Because you and I, uh, let's say we were looking for a church. Like, wow. I would not go and support the pastor who was wearing the $800 Yeezys but you might not have a problem doing that. Yeah. And that's the freedom that we have. And yeah. I think that's what it comes down to like we need to be able to make our own decision about it. Like it's and that's what I like about our podcast is we get to, you know, explore different perspectives and that's what we're trying to do here is give people different perspectives, but anyone listening to this really needs to decide for themselves what do they want to support?
0: Yeah, yeah. and and one of the best ways to do that is with our with our wallets and with our other resources, our time, mm-hmm. our attention, our yeah. energy, our skills. Those are our precious resources, and we often squander them on what's popular. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of different perspectives, we have some questions here, so let's dive into some of these. Bree from Orlando has a question for us.
4: Over the past several years, I've endeavored to be very intentional with any purchases that I make, and I believe they've been successful. The problem that I'm having is that every time I want to bring a new item into my home, I find myself using a tremendous amount of time, energy, and often money to make sure that the purchase aligns with my values. I spend a lot of time researching the purchase, trying to source it on the used market, and if I can't, I try to put a lot of money into making sure I get a quality item that's going to last a long time. As a result, even though I'm buying less and less over time, I find myself more preoccupied with my possessions than ever because I've invested so much into each item. My question is, how can I continue to be intentional with my purchases without feeling so attached to them?
0: So at first, a few things come up, Tyler. I think quite often we we confuse price with quality that's not always the truth right yep. There's often a correlation yeah but but not not always now here's the other problem is she's always thinking about these things now even mm. after she's purchased them or before she's purchased them she's she's worrying about it and and I think that it becomes a bit of an obsession. And I think there are two types of obsessions. There's healthy obsessions that leads to good creativity and, uh, and love and, mm-hmm. in, in, in many respects. But then there's these unhealthy obsessions that don't serve the greater good in a way. And, and I think maybe this, this, the hype beast culture that, that we, we see now, and it's been especially expressed by what's going on on Instagram. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really been the way for us to, to see into everyone's life. Um, It makes us obsess about what we have and especially what we don't have.
3: And in comparison to our peers or people across the world that we've Mm -hmm. never met. uh, The thing. This is something I struggle with all the time. I mean, I am not a minimalist as of now. I would love to get to that point, like if we're being fully transparent. We'll <laughs> give you a certificate before you leave. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> Can I get the tattoo yeah, as well? Right. Um, just 10% of your earnings. <laughs> <laughs> this, you, you get $6. You're welcome. Uh, this is something I struggle with too. It's like, especially now that I'm becoming more aware, like, oh, ethical fashion is a thing. Like su- the, like a an ethical supply chain is something, mm-hmm. especially if I claim to believe in a god that cares about the poor widow and orphan Mm. like this is something that i have to think about more and it's it's given me some anxiety like well where does this stop like where do i like do i have to look at the silk factory that this shirt came from or do i have to look at the the distribution center where the people are working like the the conditions there and so i i resonate with her as far as um maybe i don't know if she's feeling anxiety but like the the stress about thinking too far into or or wanting to do the right thing and not understanding it, or it, it owning you, like that whole process or that whole thought process owning you. Yeah. And something that's helped me, um, and I do not do this well, like I struggle with my own materialism issues, but giving and serving others to where it's uncomfortable is something that helps me release from that. Mm-hmm. Like having my things own me the the moment i'm giving to where it hurts or where i'm um, helping someone where i I know i'm not going to get anything in return that at least gets me in a headspace that says hey this isn't about you and uh these things are just worldly trivial things that really will pass away uh very quickly um and so that that's been something i don't know if that completely answers answers her question but The thing that's helped me have my things not own me is to give to where it hurts and then try to serve others knowing that I'm not going to get anything in return.
0: Yeah, And you realize many of the things that we obsess about, they don't help us. uh, She talks about doing things that, you know, using her time and energy and, and attention and money appropriately, but many of the things that we, we acquire, they don't serve the greater good. What I mean by that is they don't, they don't add value to our lives. They don't serve a purpose or, or, or help us contribute beyond ourselves in a meaningful way. Um, they're really cool on Instagram though. Yeah. Yeah. Y- you know, it's interesting. Uh, so Julia Shore in our
2: documentary talks about how we're not materialistic enough in the sense that we have this disposable culture. Brie is on this other side where she is so focused on obtaining the most materialistic thing. It's like she's on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, if she focuses more on giving outwardly, it might take away some of that attention that she's focusing on herself. But here's the thing, too, is like, you'll never buy the perfect thing. And I'm guilty of it, too. It's like, we use you know, Apple computers. Uh, I have an iPhone. Um, You know, you dig into what take out the slave labor that you know apple uses but look at what it does to the environment. I mean there are certain things there's a uh, I don't Man know. Post. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um you know, it's impossible to buy the perfect thing. Um breed, I would just say don't beat yourself up too much. Like focus more on giving, focus more on helping others. And yes, like that that is uh where you're going to help give yourself like a good distraction, I guess.
3: I'd also, I'd also want to get to the root of that. So like if I'm, if I'm her, it's probably not the things that are really what she's trying to control. Like if she's trying, as she mentioned, having people come over and trying to be super intentional about what uh, she has in her house. That's something I'd want my community to help me examine. Mm. Like to say, why am I so obsessed with wanting to do this perfectly? Because mm. maybe that's a deeper thing to work on. I mean, yeah. that's something that we've grown up in a world of materialism and even if you're trying to be a great minimalist i assume there's maybe deeper things that you have to work through
2: yeah it's a symptom of something much deeper going yeah. on i totally agree i
0: right. think the one, the one nice thing about minimalism when you feel like you're doing it effectively it's often this this lever that it's a set it and forget it sort of thing uh i remember when we interviewed the minimalist architect for our documentary frank out in tucson mm-hmm. and he had this house and he, he said he. he took three years finding the couch that he and So he was obsessing That's about wild. that couch, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, he couldn't find it, so he had it built custom just for his house. And the reason he did that though, he said, I knew that I wouldn't have to make an, if I didn't write this one time, I wouldn't have to make another decision about the a couch for the rest of my life. Mm. That decision is now made. That's wild. And, and I think the same thing is true. Like Ryan, you wear that outfit every day yeah. mm-hmm. and and that decision is now made. In fact, it's one of the most difficult decisions that people have to make every day because they're making that in the morning. You get decision fatigue. Do I wear this, this blouse with these shoes And and do I, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you've used up seven or eight important decisions in the morning because you didn't have it set and forget in the morning you just wake up and you put that shirt on you put those pants on you do something with those shoes Uh, and it looks great (laughs) thanks
2: man you know what's interesting is minimalism it helps me it frees my mind to obsess about other things (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying and so it's the healthy obsession thing right exactly so I so I don't if you're obsessing about minimalism like you said Tyler like that is there's something deeper going on mm. um, because minimalism for me is a it is a set it and forget it type thing where now I have the the mental capacity to obsess about other things yeah well mm-hmm.
0: bree I'm gonna send you a copy of our minimalist rule book it's free so anyone can download it the minimalistscom slash rule book because I think it's also important to set up some boundaries or, or what I would just call some limits on on what's going Going on with with your clothes, so we have a couple of rules in there. One in particular is called the wait for it rule. So if something costs more than thirty dollars, I try to wait thirty hours to buy it. If it's more than a hundred bucks, I try to wait thirty days. Yeah, and so wise. It, and and it's because we feel so impulsive. We see it right there. It's a click away. I mean, literally, it's one yeah. click shopping. It will. And I live in Los Angeles. It'll arrive the same day sometimes. <laughs> Instant gratification, right? Yeah. And and so. I want you to delay gratification because what you might realize is that, wow, the thing I thought I needed, the thing that I obsessed over, has now become the object of distraction for me, or, or worse, the object of discontent. So enjoy The Minimalist Rulebook, theminimalists.com slash rulebook. You can download it there for free. Adam in Long Island has a question for us.
1: What I find challenging is I have many items, different clothing options that I could probably consolidate. Um, if I got rid of those and, and got something else to take over that place. Uh for instance, I have more in the northeast, so it's cold and our weather is drastic, so I have a rain jacket and a and a warmer jacket and then I have a dress jacket for work. So, but the problem is, is they're not suitable to be switching back and forth. But if I got rid of those and, and purchased something that was easier or more versatile, it might make sense. But then I fall into that whole consumerism and buying stuff and then buying more stuff and getting rid of stuff, so I'm kind of stuck. Uh, I know in the last episode you just talked about you're getting rid of all your socks and you're buying these new socks. And it kind of sparked that interest and that knowledge and um, I was just wondering, you know, what suggestions do you have? Should I just get rid of it and buy new stuff or should I just use up the stuff I have?
0: So Tyler, what, what Adam, is he mentioned here about the socks thing is once a year I just get rid of all my socks because they have worn out and I buy 10 new pairs. So um, it, it, and it's different from what he's sort of obsessing about, which is I've got this thing, but it's not perfect and I could buy the perfect thing and it would be better for me. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's where we, we really get caught up in fashion and especially with the things that are trendy because the thing that is trendy today is going to be far from perfect Tomorrow, yeah. right? And, and you're really highlighting a lot of these things that are very of the moment. And in fact, uh, now that the coronavirus is hit, your account has ha- has slowed down because y- the, the the material which you mined to to start these
3: conversations mm-hmm. isn't out there as much, yeah. right? Absolutely. I mean, it's pretty much overnight gone away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I I made a joke about like, oh, so nobody's going to church or even really wearing shoes anymore because everyone's sitting at home I mean even me like I've maybe worn one pair of shoes over the past four months because I haven't really needed to leave my house or been forced to not leave my house Um, I do the I hear what he's saying like I at least empathize with kind of the wanting to over research or buy the perfect thing or like I always search for the top rated whatever top rated Mm -hmm. whatever and at a certain point you just kind of got to pull the trigger but to the if he's got jackets like if we're talking about his exact question like if he's got jackets in the northeast and they're functional i would challenge the desire to want to buy the perfect jacket yeah, yeah. because um like you said fast fashion comes and goes i talked to my friend whitney bauck who is a writer at fashionista she's the one that gave me this fake name um and she cares all about ethical fashion and we've, we've been able to talk about how uh, terrible fast fashion is for the environment yes. and for the people that work on it. I mean, it's literally getting the cheapest possible labor, the cheapest possible materials and creating it within the timeframe that the trend is popular. And yeah. then it goes away yeah. and it's disposed who the hell knows how. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, and I don't do this perfectly either, but I would challenge the desire to buy the perfect thing. If you already have the functional thing.
0: I'm I'm yeah. the worst person to ask about this. My wife calls me a jacket slut. It's the one area <laughs> it's the one area of my life where I'm, I am I'm probably not a minimalist. I think I have nine jackets, which is way too many. Um and and especially since I live in Los Angeles, um, it's, the
3: nights are cool though. Uh,
0: right, the, I mean, in, in the winters especially. I'm like, I've got, I've got a jacket for like every eight degree increment. Uh, <laughs> this That's is my 105 degree jacket. Guys,
3: but you look so much better in outerwear though. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm obsessed with vests because I get hot all the time, uh-huh. but I also like to keep my core warm. And I feel like you never have to, you never have to iron anything if you wear a vest. You never have to iron a shirt. You can, I mean, it's mild throughout, like all seasons, and I'm kind of the same. I'm probably a vest slut uh, if if you're a jacket slut, but big fan of outerwear. I mean, I I get, I get how you have gotten to that title.
2: I, I love you know. You talked about this with Breeze, the delayed gratification. So I think that that's always a good thing to, to, uh, uh, to implement in your life if you are having these desires or these impulses to buy new stuff. But it comes down to what is, what are Adam's rules? Because like I, I'm trying to you know, uh, look at his question and apply it to my own life. And what comes to mind for me is every time I go to Blue Bottle, they have this beautiful scale. They have this beautiful um, uh, teapot. It's digital. You can choose the temperature. The kettle. Yeah, the kettle. So I I actually got my kettle and my scale from Blue Bottle like two or three years ago. Uh-huh. But they've switched out. they have improved. <clears throat> yeah. And now they have these beautiful, sleek, modern. And I, every time I see them, I'm like, I'm gonna replace my kettle and my scale because uh-huh. these are so beautiful. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No, like I I, I know th- that Josh, you're, you are much more concerned about aesthetics than yeah. I am. Yeah. So you might look at it, Josh might look at it and say, you know what, because this fits in my home and because it's beautiful and it fits my style, I am gonna go ahead and replace these things and, and donate the scale, the old scale and the old kettle. Where right. like me, I am more functional. So like none of my plates match at home my socks don't match. Speaking of socks, you know what I do? I buy like very bright socks, but I, I they never match because one will always wear out, and if I th- if I had to replace socks every time, like then you know you got to throw out both socks. Right. So if they don't match, it's okay if one sock wears out. I still got half of the set that I could wear with something else. So it's advanced. <laughs> yeah. So that is uh that that those are my rules. Uh-huh. That's that's my uh that's my approach. So Adam, the question is like how do you how do you want to live your life and like that's how you make these decisions no matter what though i think that delayed gratification is uh something certainly people should implement more
0: totally agree i I think i differ from both of you a little bit in that if i was personally in adam's shoes i'd get rid of those jackets and 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 get a new one and here's why
2: get rid of three and buy the one perfect one
0: there is not going to be a perfect one right but Mm -hmm. i I would find one that is going to be more timeless and we're actually going to on the maximum episode we'll talk about uh timeless style and how that's not actually a thing but (laughs) uh, and and, but I, i would i Would find something that's more appropriate that's going to last you for a longer period of time, but also that you feel good in. Because right now it sounds like he doesn't feel good in anything he's wearing and Mm. somehow it's hurting his confidence or whatever. That's valid. That's a great point. I'd find a new home for those things where someone else will actually get value from them because you're no longer getting value from those things. I would find a new home for them so I wouldn't just throw them away. And if they can have a new home, someone else might get value. Just because you're not getting value from the thing doesn't mean that someone else won't get value from it in the future if you let it go. And your willingness to let go in a way then is a willingness to add value to other people's lives by by letting it go and then replacing it very intentionally realizing whatever you bring in won't be perfect but you'll keep it for a longer period of time you'll probably feel better in the thing that you're wearing as a result adam i'm going to send you a copy of our book it's called Essential, it's an essay collection with 150 essays, 12 areas of intentional living, and, and one of the essays in there is specifically about clothes, it's about the favorite clothes of a minimalist, and I think you'll find value in that. So if you want the audiobook version of Essential, we'll send that to you, it's over six hours long, or if you want the ebook or the book book, we're happy to send those to you as well. Ryan, what time is it? You know
2: what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can
0: text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Those texts go to both of our phones, and we personally reply to as many as we can. We even respond to some here on the podcast, like this next question. Uh, By the way, Tyler, during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer every question with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We put the text. Yes, very pithy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we we put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so they can copy and share our pithy answers on social media. <laughs> all right. And uh, you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place now. Minimalmaxims.com. I think there's a drinking game. Like every time you hear the word pithy on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So
3: I think I <laughs> broke the seal on it. Sorry. <laughs> Take a shot of Nyquil. That's
2: right. <laughs> That's right. All right, our question here is from Brian how do we get in touch with our own personal style so that we don't fall for the tricks and
0: manipulation from advertising? Now really we can just wander on a bit. We'll give them something pithy here, but let's talk about this because there are a lot of tricks. I mean, the Mm -hmm. reason we start our show with advertisements suck is because we're just not a fan of, of advertising for us. It doesn't work for us. It's not a judgment on someone else who, who wants to do advertising. Um, And, and I've also realized there's a lot of manipulation there and Mm -hmm. it, and I find that it's easier for me to be able to talk about, hey, I own a Toyota because they're not paying me to say I own a Toyota. And in fact, I'm paying them. Uh, but in a weird way, that actually leads to my pithy answer here, is are companies paying us to wear their logo or did we pay them for the privilege of advertising on our bodies? Mm-hmm. And 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 so I think quite often we're trying to signal something. We, we, we yeah. buy the you know the there's $100 or multi hundred dollar t-shirts or some of the the pants that you put on the preachers and sneakers instagram it's like $700 pants sweatpants yeah yeah sweatpants wow. wow um i've owned cars that are less expensive than <laughs> <laughs> <that>. right <laughs> <laughs> and and so uh, and here's the thing and they also have logos so i paid $700 to show to advertise
3: for Louis Vuitton or whoever to further someone else's mm. dream, let's talk about else's that vision. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard for me to reconcile why you would ever pay $800 for sweatpants, especially for one with a logo, unless they were uh internet of things completely kitted out type sweatpants that helped you do your taxes or walk your dog or something. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, I. I studied marketing in undergrad, and so I, I at least appreciate the process of marketing and understand like the utility of marketing. Like companies yeah. need people to sell and advertise for their products if they want to succeed as a company. I'm
0: totally I, fine with marketing, totally fine with selling. Not great with advertisements. Total. But yeah. I have a, a very long four thousand word essay on this. We won't dive into the details of it. But but um, yeah, I, I, and so in a way, we are we we are marketing for that company without without
3: even knowing
0: that we're doing it yeah
3: i i really want to be in the practice of asking myself why i wear post buy something mm-hmm. um because so much of that is at play and we don't even understand it or don't even uh understand how a brand name affects our psyche so like even the past couple of years like lululemon makes really comfy clothes mm-hmm. yeah and for for some reason the way they market makes me feel like i need that pair of pants or shirt for that tiny little i mean i'm wearing the shorts now that tiny little logo that makes me feel like oh i'm i've got some level of status and i've got these really high quality pair of shorts that not everybody could afford yeah i want to know what that is and i want to be constantly asking myself if i'm falling into that i mean mm. i think that's what you're getting at is is uh, at least we should have intention with why yeah. we choose to buy something or post about something or
0: I think the, I think the Lululemon is actually a good example where they have a logo, but they go out of their way to sort of tone it down. It's not, it's not, uh, very flashy it's it's not a giant pony on my chest or whatever yeah. um but it's still there and it's their version of branding and i, I, I own a lulu lemon jacket of course um <laughs> and and uh what i can tell you, in fact they offered to give it for free and i yeah. had, in fact they gave it to me for free so i just donated the same amount to the against malaria foundation for yeah. the jacket yeah. That's the, outstanding. and and the, the reason i do that is because i don't want I want to be able to say, hey, I have this Lululemon jacket. I I, I, don't, I wouldn't feel good if I just got it from them for free and then started talking about it. It would feel like an advertisement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I I like the jacket. I think it's fine. But I actually wish there was no logo on it at all. Like mm-hmm. it, It's a very tiny, very subtle logo. But I prefer to be logo-less because I don't care whether you think it's an Armani shirt or a JCPenney shirt. Mm-hmm. It's what I feel comfortable in. That's what's important to me
2: i think it's crazy that we feel like we can choose a brand to represent who we are as an individual right but then you end up becoming like everyone else
3: and then the company sells for a billion dollars yeah to a private equity holding company like yeah. i i also want to i think a lot of people that aren't minimalist struggle with just even the tiniest bit of identification with the logo so like i'm even thinking about lulu tiny little logo but if i saw the same shirt or jacket with like a russell logo or something that said Sam's club on it. There's something in me that says, I don't, Mm. that seems cheap. Or that seems like, I don't want people to see me wearing that. Mm. I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I think Mm. that's uh the inherent issue it's like that brand means nothing as a human yes that should mean nothing to us yet for some reason a lot of us fall into this trap of i'd rather pay eighty dollars for the lulu logo than nineteen dollars for the russell logo or the walmart logo logo or something
2: that actually kind of leads into my pithy answer which is what you wear isn't as important as what you do and you could wear those off-brand logos and still be a very likable a very popular person in fact i think about wrangler and how Wrangler in high school, like my dad was so controlled over my outfits because like we were, we were, I was raised Jehovah's Witness mm-hmm. and uh, they have this term worldly, which basically if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, then you're worldly. Yeah. So uh, any clothing that I would wear that looked a little bit outside of the, you know, the religion, uh, he didn't want me wearing worldly clothes. So we would go to Walmart and he'd buy me Wrangler jeans and I felt like crapping them because I'm like, oh, these are Wrangler jeans. But now, yep. like, I, I forget who it was I saw, like, it was probably Matt Carney or somebody, like, pulling off Wrangler jeans. Yeah. And, you know, that you can get at Walmart. And well, it the, just the,
0: the kith by my house was selling Wrangler jeans yeah. recently. Yeah. yeah. So called so,
3: Stranglers because uh, they're kind of tight, you know, yeah, in yeah, like, yeah. certain areas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now,
0: so, so, um, one last thing before we wrap up this minimal bit. Um, what do you think about our future president, Kanye West? Um, he just did a deal with Gap, apparently. Yes, he did. And so like this is multiple layers of, of logos mm. and signaling and, 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 and culture and fashion and, and old and new and supply chains and everything yeah. else. So it's this gumbo of 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 man, I see a lot of Instagram posts about to to, to come up on your feed.
3: Yeah, I uh, I posted I reposted a tweet that I said, um, recently and people freaked out about it basically like kanye west would never do a thing for publicity and uh there's a lot of people in the comment section that are defending like who are you to question his faith who are you to question you know his intentions around running for president and all i said was like look i'm at least just raising an eyebrow about why kanye west is running for president yeah um we're talking about it right now yeah we're talking about right (laughs) now and kanye loves people talking about him Mm. and what he's doing but also to his credit kanye's playing chess i mean yeezy for the longest time with nike didn't do that well like his his nike air yeezys are really popular and resell for a ton but nike didn't really have a great relationship with kanye mm-hmm. but then he went to adidas when adidas at the time nobody really cared about it. i mean globally they were a huge brand but as far as in the streetwear market they kind of were irrelevant he goes there and now it's a billion dollar brand mm-hmm. Yeezy. uh he does he does Sunday service and they're like, well, this feels like a cult. But then he does this massive tour with all this, uh, publicity. And now he's publicly, you know, professed his faith. And Uh now he's brought on this whole other demographic of people that before would have written him off, you know, like during the college dropout album years, you know, Christians I'm sure would have never given him the time, but Mm -hmm. now he's appealing to both sides in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me as like a natural cynic to not be like, i don't this this feels like there's he at least knows that he's going to get publicity from this right sure and obviously i can't i can't know his art i can't know his intent Mm -hmm. but uh there's a lot of characteristics of a duck to not be like is this a duck Mm -hmm. i mean because you know he's he's got super gaudy intense tours he's got uh a wife that has her own level of publicity and has a reality show that's incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no denying that he loves the spotlight. Now again, yeah. it's not a bad thing. The one thing I do have an issue with is using faith as a bargaining chip mm-hmm. to try to win over a, a certain voting block. And I think yeah. that's what a lot of people are raising an eyebrow at is like, did you just do all of these Christian themed things in order to gain approval from a pretty significant uh, segment of voters mm. and now you're very quickly announcing that you're running for president yeah. it just seems like a lot of things are playing together
2: it's, yeah it reminds me of uh, Trump in 2012 where he like started to make the run for president but it was very similar to where it was people like blew him off Yeah. so um, it's
3: very much from his handbook yeah, Trump's handbook yes. I mean they're yeah. very similar people yeah. I would, no, like I, large yeah, I egos know run businesses before not afraid to be controversial i mean mm-hmm. kanye wearing the maga hat i mean people freaked out about that but yeah he him and kim are now billionaires like yeah he's playing chess yeah, maybe right in front or, of us or,
0: or, or mm-hmm. maybe I, I i don't know i mean uh it appears that way it, it, I, I agree it does, never i, at I it agree that, way. that it, yeah. it definitely appears that way or it could just be a, a a series of dominoes that have all just sort of tumbled in, in one direction. I, I'm not sure. I, but the reason I, I bring it up, and, and we'll end with this, um, th- there, are, there are a lot of people that, I, I don't know, I'm really just fascinated. I brought this up earlier. I, I'm fascinated with people who inspire other people mm-hmm. and there are people who do it well there are people who don't do it well there are people who do it well but with the wrong intentions i think of waco for example which by the way if you saw i don't know if you saw the, we the six-part series we or watching one night uh, tyler so kitch good, yeah. i mean he was born to play um, that role outstanding unbelievable yeah. um, so good. and and so I, I even look at someone like David Koresh and and, and see the sort of charisma and 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 the, there are actually things you can tweeze out. Say he did this right, and there's this whole belief backing system that was clearly wrong, and a lot of things he did wrong. But you can tweeze out even the good things from someone as um, wrong as as crazy as someone like David Koresh, and mm-hmm. I I look at that. But I I also look toward a lot of a lot of pastors today, and even though we might have different beliefs i look at someone like erwin mcmanus or judah smith or um uh chad veach yeah and 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 look at the way they communicate but not just them i look at people like tony robbins and sure. and, and see how how they communicate effectively uh oratorily especially and um i, I try to to bring out the the I don't know, the best parts of it. Uh, I, I wrote down this quote. This is from the the criticism section of our Wikipedia page. This is from um, the the New Yorker. That's when you've made it, yeah, the, that's the, right. The New Yorker. They said the minimalist events are halfway between a TED talk and a hipster mega church sermon. That's I actually find that as a compliment.
3: A lot of the same was, attendees, probably. Yeah. Uh, right. It's
2: it, interesting because if I if I thought you would do it, I would totally start having weekly podcasts uh-huh. in in la uh-huh. and it would be borderline church service without the dogmatics behind it
0: hmm. oh and, and there would be principles and values and things like that right. like we, um, yeah, yeah yeah totally and, and so yeah i i i like the idea of doing you know live podcasts or, or, or yeah. different things mm-hmm. um i'm not a, a a fan of of pre-prescribed you know systems in in place and i think we're actually seeing a lot of that right now okay. with with the coronavirus and the quarantine and mm-hmm. you're seeing even religion is is i say religion specifically not spirituality but religion the way the way that people gather is, has now changed everyone is sort of gathering online in a way yeah, yeah. And, and what the, the thing that inspired your preachers and sneakers instagram account that's how everyone is is consuming their you know, sort of religious services now right
3: yeah and it's it's i don't know what the future holds with that but it really forced most churches to get on board with the digital form of Mm -hmm. church because for the longest time uh i think judah smith specifically there was a there was kind of a an air of rejection towards what he was doing like building church home saying hey you can have church across the country and uh in your living room in your living room and a lot of i think traditional people that do traditional church like dude there's nothing to replace in-person community. Like you can't be so isolated in your own home and actively be involved with the church. But now, since that's the only option, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are coming around with, or at least wrestling with the idea. It's like, what does this look like now? Because uh, we don't know how long this is gonna last. And Judah had the jump on a lot of people. And yeah, I think he- yeah, for sure. Uh, he, had, he had a really good pithy quote that I'm gonna steal from him. But he said, uh, in some interview, he said, I think the church should stop spending millions to reach thousands and and instead spend thousands to reach millions. Mm. And it's like, dude, that's a good freaking quote. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Although,
0: uh, to I, I think both things can be true. You, you can do this thing online, like Ryan and I do most of what we do online, but there is no substitute for the in person events that we do, yeah yeah we, we've done nine tours over the last ten years we've got our tenth one coming up uh, later this year in in November and and nothing yes it actually it's it's not cost effective for us it doesn't reach nearly as many people. our biggest tour we had seventy five thousand people show up on our biggest tour um <laughs> I can record one podcast, and, and it yeah. goes out to many, many, many more people than that, right? Yeah. We spent an entire year on the road to reach 75,000 people in person. It was literally 10 months, 119 events in 100 cities, eight countries, and and it's literally me and Ryan driving around in his Toyota Corolla, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and so I, while well, I agree with the, the sentiment that I would re- reach more people— the depth isn't necessarily there, yeah. And, and so there's, there's. I think what we have to acknowledge is there's probably room for both.
3: Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I think uh, I would imagine as an introvert, you were super energetic after that t- world tour, oh, right? Seventy five thousand got for a month. Dude. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking. Cause like, I heard you say on another conversation that you were very much an extrovert, yeah, and yeah. I, I agree. Like, I need interaction with real people in real life. And this is why the quarantine has been so hard for me. Like I've been in a, a depression because I, I love my wife and my wife is everything to me, but there is something about being in groups of people that, uh, hard to get at home with maybe just one other person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I totally don't think that church home could be a complete replacement, but I do think, I think I agree with Judah's sentiment that like, dude, we've been building some gaudy ass structures to reach 5,000 people mm-hmm. when we really could be investing in spreading our message at scale. Right. And I think he's doing a good job of that. And, and you brought up a lot of the communicators. I, I agree. They're outstanding communicators. And of course they're going to build huge platforms and have huge followings. Um, I, I just hope that they're using that platform for good. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they're using those communication skills and talents to further the message that, uh, God loves everyone. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I do want to talk to you more about that, the using it for good in particular. So when we get on this uh, Maximal episode, we'll talk about it because we, we had one Patreon supporter in particular. He said, you guys, sometimes you recommend the the war of art which is a book by Stephen Pressfield mm-hmm. he's like but there's religious undertones that are, he mentions religion somewhere in the book yeah. and and I just grew up in this religious tradition that I felt battered in and so mm-hmm. there are some times where, where people feel battered by their their religion and, and so they're instantly uh, this whole conversation we've had so far is probably turning them off because even though Ryan and I again share radically different beliefs uh, around this we mm-hmm. share similar values and what we'd like to do is explore these different paths yeah. and i think it's unfortunate if you're not willing to even explore these paths because um, maybe some past trauma so maybe, maybe we can talk a little bit about that yeah as well.
2: it's interesting because i actually have that sentiment with war of art like it's a great book up until that last chapter because oh. that last chapter is like you know, it's just, it gets a little re- religiously woo woo y. <laughs> and uh, but the I've, rest
0: of it is so practical. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah. But that, so I, I have the same exact sentiment because I am kind of traumatized from being raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's interesting how I, I can hold space for both, though.
0: Well, let's talk about that if we have a chance. Also, uh, we've got some listener tips and our added value segment here in a moment, but we have some surprise questions this week like should pastors wear $5,000 sneakers? Uh, is Marie Kondo stylish? I've kind I've got some opinions on her folding method that I want to talk about. I
2: love how, like, recently we've been doing a lot of Marie Kondo questions. Well, we have the, questions
0: coming in. in. The
2: maximal segment. Uh,
0: what are some, what are some examples of timeless outfits? Mm. So we'll talk about timeless, trendy, maybe. Uh, how do brands affect people's free will for choosing clothes? How do we see some clothes trends come back into style? Or why do we see them come back into style? So the things that were really popular in the let's just hope the 2000s don't come back the into Jinkos style, right? What the heck Ooh. were the 2000s? The Jinkas were 90s. <laughs> 90s, yeah. 90s. True, 90s. Religion. true religion. true oh. oh. yeah. The dazzled jeans. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we we, 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 we got to talk about that. The things that were trendy not that long ago are hideous now. Yeah. So let's talk about the things that are going to be hideous in the not too distant future. Also, So do you feel aspects of the minimalist aesthetic creeping into trendy clothing? Uh, How do you feel about that? And can simplicity be purchased? Plus Tyler is going to review my footwear and Ryan's footwear. It'll give us a score of 1 to 10, I think. And <laughs> tell us whether or not we're Instagram-worthy. meaningful stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget, I slipped you that $10 bill That's before right, this interview. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got that and a million more questions for Tyler Jones. If you want to hear that, check out our maximal episode on The Minimalist private podcast this week. It's a completely separate podcast, and it's just a couple bucks, and it's the most honest way for The Minimalist to earn an income because we don't believe in advertisements. So we make money only if you find value in and support what we create. Head on over to TheMinimalists.com slash support to subscribe and get a personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out.
4: Hey there. I am just listening to some of your older podcasts and I came across one where a caller was wondering about letting go of baby clothes. One of the things that I've put in place, one of the rules that I've made for myself is that in order for me to hold on, to things from my daughter's childhood which I'm a person who is nostalgic I like to hold on to things Um, I still have the flower dress that my grandma made for me when I was in my aunt's wedding and this rule kind of goes along with that as well but I like to have a picture a good picture of the item that kind of gives a snapshot in time instead of just having an item in a box there needs to be a good picture to go along with it to give it some context to age the item and just to give it a little bit more meaning so for example i've held on to just a couple of my daughter's outfits from when she was really little and i have really good photos of her in those outfits and i just feel like it gives it a lot more meaning than having a pile of clothes that really have no relation to her Um, to actually have a photo to go along with the cute little outfit. Um, It just kind of sparks those memories a little bit more. The same thing with her artwork. When she was little, I saved all of her artwork. And it piles up after a while. It's really fun when they're really little, but as they get older, you realize that you have tons and tons of this artwork. And I started scanning things. I would date them and things so that I would have an idea of when they came from. But once they pile up, you really lose track of when they made those items, how old they were, what school were they in. And they lose their, their real sentimental value if they don't have a story to go along with them so um, her daycare used to send pictures of them making their artwork and so i've held on to just a few pieces that i have really good photos of her actually making the item um, so that you know in the future her and i can pull those out and look at the picture and be like oh you know do you remember this when you were making this and look at the item at that time and just keep a few things instead of keeping everything. And then I scan everything else. Sooner or later, I'll put it together into a photo book or maybe I won't, but at least I have a scan of it if I ever wanna take a look back or if she wants to look back and try and remember some of the things that she made.
2: Hi, Josh and Ryan. My name's Alana from Rochester, New York. I'm just calling in to share with the world that I've been becoming more sustainable and trying to use less physical items, things that are wrapped in plastic, things that are store-bought or brand new. I found this really great website called Marley's Monsters. It's a small family-run business that's in Oregon and you can order all sorts of awesome sustainable goods from her website. I just ordered cloth paper towels that are reusable, washable sponges, some hair scrunchies, some reusable straws. So there's some really great items if people want to check that out and be more eco-friendly.
0: All right, y'all. Thanks again to Tyler Jones for joining us today. I guess the best place to check you out is at Preachers and Sneakers on
3: Instagram. Yeah, that's the best. Or Twitter, Preachers and Sneakers with no vowels. For some reason, the, the name they won't let you have that long of a name. Mm.
0: We'll, we'll put a link to it both in, in the show notes. Is there anywhere else we should send folks right now? Your podcast?
3: Yeah, I've got a podcast uh, cleverly named The Preachers and Sneakers Podcast, <laughs> where we talks uh, a lot about uh, a lot about some of the same things like consumerism and capitalism. Celebrity culture. Sustainable fashion. Yeah. I've talked with several people there that uh, talk really eloquently about ethical fashion, which I think is something that a lot of Christians ignore. So there's, you know, there's some Christian themes there, but there's also some, I mean, we're all kind of questioning these things Mm -hmm. and trying to discuss more nuanced topics. That's, that's my goal is to get people not only to laugh, but also to think about things that maybe they've known to be gospel yeah. beforehand. So yeah. yeah, the Preachers and Seekers podcast is probably my favorite part about running the account. Oh, I love it. And uh, I
0: loved your conversation with Kate recently. Oh, yeah, oh she
3: is the best. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. I mean, she
0: uh, let's see if we can get her on the podcast. Uh, I had Jess reach out to her, I oh, think. Oh cool. Yeah. Awesome. She's outstanding. So I mean she yeah.
3: she is the, you know, I even told her in the in the conversation, like she's a living example of why the prosperity gospel is false.
0: And I, w- like, I, w- I, w- I want to disagree with you about that, so we're gonna okay. do that on the max. Okay, process. okay, <laughs> okay, good. But I, I love, I love the, uh, I, I love the sentiment. I think we might agree violently. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but we'll get there via different paths. Okay, well,
3: yeah. All that to say is she's uh, one of my favorite guests that we've had on she might be my favorite guest that we've had on the podcast. And we'll
0: put so. a link to your your podcast in, in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys, for having me. This is fun. All right, for our added value this week, Ryan, I figured, I was just trying to think about What adds value to my life almost every day? Mm. I still have Pandora, which You're such a uh, hipster. doesn't give me any clout. Like, Yeah, it's, it's basically you know what's funny? Pandora Pandora's the vintage. new vinyl.
2: <laughs> yes, I was going to say, dude, like Pandora went from like being lame and only old people used it to like everyone moved to Spotify, but now it's like coming back around.
0: Well, here's why I use Pandora. Is they they have for me the best algorithm. There's uh, two channels I listen to regularly, yeah. And so every morning, Bex and I, when we have a coffee and we're reading together, we put on the Cigaros. Um, channel I'll, so I'll check it out yes they're so good and, and yeah. for whatever reason the algorithm on Pandora works better than anywhere else and it plays the best soundtrack to my morning every morning it's so dude strange. he went and saw cigarettes in concert in Cincinnati yeah
2: didn't even know who they were
0: and it was it like, was what is this yeah he, it yeah. was a religious experience yeah. yeah and then the
2: next day he was like oh, I saw this amazing band Siguros and I was in Ohio I'm like why didn't you tell me they were in town like <laughs> I would have went with you
0: <laughs> it was yeah it was it was amazing yeah. um but yeah you have to check out their Pandora channel. Every morning, I turn it on. Bex and I, we're just... And, and at night, I listen to an Aquilo channel. You know Aquilo? Mm-mm. Oh, you'll love them. Aquilo. It's... Yeah. It's, um... I don't even know how to describe it. It's really chill, um atmospheric singer songwriter it's it's gorgeous so yeah uh we'll put a link to pandora hopefully i think we can do the the cigarro station in the show notes as well real quick for right here right now here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists my writing class is opening back up i only do this two or three times a year it's called how to write better it's a four-week writing class Um, You can't get in it right now, but you will be able to soon. It opens up July 31st and August 1st for 48 hours only. First 100 students if you're interested in that. I I will give you a a bit of a, a warning so you don't feel like I'm just trying to heavy sell you on this. It is it requires uh, a considerable amount of time mm-hmm. seven to ten hours a week for those four weeks if you're willing to put in the work i can show you how to write better over a four-week period i've had everyone from high school students to people with english as a second language take the class all the way up to medical doctors and grad students take the class mm-hmm. and i think a rising tide lifts all boats and yeah. uh, people start writing in to me after we wrote our first couple books and, and saying yeah how, uh, can you show me how to write better? And, and I have a lot of questions about writing and, and as opposed to responding to every thousand word email, I, mm-hmm. I just started this class many years ago where I taught people in person. We've automated the class now. We have a whole community around it and you can find details and you can download the free ebook as well, 11 Ways to Write Better over at howtowritebetter.org. If you sign up for that email list over there, we'll let you know when the class opens up. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. Come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. We'll never send you spam or junk or advertisements, but we will send you our Simple Sunday emails whenever we send those out. Uh, We just sent one out recently with um, this new essay. A really short one, but... Uh, it's called Too Many Screens, and it's mm. a commentary on... Uh, did you see the, the Ronnie Chang uh, stand-up special? Yes. It's so, it, I've
3: been talking with him recently. Really? He me, yeah.
0: Oh. He is one of
3: my favorites right
0: now. He's so good. He has the, so he has the joke on there where he says, every night in America is like a competition to see how many screens, screens. we can get between our, <laughs> our wall and our faces. Yeah. And, and we're not happy with any of them. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, I've got my, my iPad, and then my iPhone, and then my laptop, and the TV, oh, and then the Apple Watch. And uh, so it's an essay sort of about that. You can find that over at theminimalists.com slash screens. Ha- Sign st- 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 up for the email list. You'll get that in your inbox.
2: I had this epiphany about the screen thing because I do the same thing where I reach for my phone when I'm watching a movie. Yes. So uh, what I've been doing recently is I put my phone like in a change tray that we have. Uh, where I put my keys and wallet and stuff. Four-year rule. Yes, the four-year rule or foyer rule, if you're Josh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm watching. I think I was watching like Star Trek or something. And what happens is there's this roller coaster that happens with TV shows where it's like boring, 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 and then it builds up. And then you get this dopamine where, like, it gets to this, like, plot point, and then it kind of comes down. And, like, that's the whole wave that I realize that I'm writing when I watch a show. But what's happening with my phone is that I want that dopamine hit. So, right I dur- now. so during the lull in the TV show, I'm like, I can get that dopamine hit with, like, social media or with the news or with, you know, ch- checking my email and uh, it's it just it just speaks to our impulses—the whole screen thing,
0: man.
3: We're dopamine
0: dopamine addicts in a way. Yeah. Do you think that has anything to do with the, the the sneaker culture right now? There's some dopamine that's involved in that, right?
3: Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, buying things in general probably gives you a dopamine hit. I do the exact same thing with the movie. Mm-hmm. My like my wife cusses me out every time—not figuratively cusses <laughs> me out for just. Uh, Like, dude, I can do both of these things at the same time. Yeah, we never can. And you can't absolutely not. You know
2: what I end up doing? I end up like, like, because the plot point will hit, and I'll be like, "Wait, what happened? What did they say?" So then I got to put my phone down and rewind it. Uh Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. All right, y'all. If you leave
0: it (laughs) today with one message, we hope it's this: love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.
1: Every little thing